0: Amen. What a privilege it is to be able to just give a hallelujah to the Lord with you collectively and also with you online today. Hey, let me encourage you to take your Bibles right now and turn to Exodus chapter 11. Exodus chapter 11. And I feel like over the last few weeks, like I have these reoccurring themes in my messages. I'll be honest with you like sometimes I'm like okay I'm I'm repeating myself and some of you probably said yeah you repeat yourself within the same sermon sometime but you know you you feel yourself like repeating like certain themes, certain things are going on in life even this last week I was writing some Tidings articles Some of you may not know but the Tidings is like our newsletter and I write pretty regularly for it. I know you've never read it but I do it pretty much every week or so and I, I told the ladies in the office that were helping me through like grammar and all those kind of things, I said, Look, I don't know what I'm gonna keep writing. It seems like everything is kind of, you know, the same. Every time I say something, it's the same. It's been all about a encouragement and affirmation and trying to keep people going in the right direction. And I'm like, I feel like that's what I'm doing every week. But maybe there's a reason to that. One, we've been working through scripture here and I've been trying to follow the message of scripture and not just follow my own personal preferences and what I've seen in scripture and maybe God designed this, no, I believe God did design this, that somehow he would be encouraging us and affirming us all throughout the present context that we are in and that we need to hear that. So I want to give you another word of encouragement and affirmation today as we look At the first three verses of the 11th chapter of Exodus. And I understand through the frustrations, through the difficulties, that we need to hear a word. You've got a word for you, I've got a word for me that God is bringing to us. So let me show it to you. It begins in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, oh, stop and say, God, thank you that you still speak. God said to Moses, just like God speaks to you right now. As he is speaking out through his word, God said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out out of here altogether. Speak now in the hearing of the people. And let every man ask from his neighbor and every woman from her neighbor articles of silver and articles of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. So God does speak to Moses. And listen to what he says. As he affirms him, as he encourages him, he says, Moses, remember there is a plan. Remember there is a plan. He says, one more plague. Remember that there is a plan that I'm working toward. Now, It is the context of frustration that Moses hears the voice of God. I mean Moses is beyond frustrated. If you go back and look at the last two verses of the 10th chapter, it says that Moses goes into Pharaoh for this final audience. Remember the ninth plague had occurred on the land of Egypt. Darkness has surrounded everything. It was a darkness the Bible says that you could feel. And Moses goes back before Pharaoh And Pharaoh once again hardens his heart. And Pharaoh says, Moses, get out of my sight. Never return to my presence under the penalty of death. That's what he says. And if you look at the last verse of the 10th chapter, Moses says something like this. So be it. You got it, man. You will not see me again. I am gone. You will never see my face. I think you probably can hear in Moses' response just a detection of frustration and perhaps even anger. I mean, Moses is like, if that's the way you want it, I'm no longer around. I'm out of here. So frustration, anger, that's where God speaks here to the frustration of Moses and says, In the midst of your frustration, I still have a plan. One more plague. Remember, I'm still going to work. Even when you are frustrated. Have you ever been frustrated before? Yeah. You dated somebody. Maybe maybe your parents frustrated you. Maybe, maybe a coworker frustrated you. Maybe you even got angry. It, It was a frustration with people that's like they couldn't listen or they would not listen. Like you were trying to tell them. Have you ever tried to tell you ever tried to tell somebody something? And they just won't listen? They're stubborn. They're hard headed. You know what I'm talking, there's Pharaoh, Moses has tried to tell him, and yet Pharaoh continues to harden his heart. He's frustrated. So frustration with people, but also frustration with circumstances. Sometimes you get frustrated just because of the circumstances. This morning we recognized uh, a lot of our 2020 graduates, it's hard for me to think about that because usually I say our seniors who are graduating, but we had to wait so long this time that they are already graduates. And... I thought about them, how frustrating their last senior year was. Like, no problem, a lot of athletic events that were canceled, a lot of things that were just so strange for them, and how they were frustrated. And even now, for you all and for them, there's a lot of uncertainty about what this new school year will look like, a lot of things going on, if there will be a school year on campus. I mean, there are all kinds of things, like frustration. Don't you wish sometimes you just could know? I'm like in that situation sometimes, just tell me something, just just tell me, because I'm frustrated. But I want you to hear in the moment of frustration, in the moment even when you're angry about things, I want you to hear that there's still a plan that God has. And you and I need to remember that God has a plan. And you need to also hear this. That God progressively and strategically works toward that plan for your good and his glory. He systematically, progressively, strategically works for his plan. Again, did you hear one more plague? One more plague. Let me ask you a question. Could God have like just come to Pharaoh and just delivered a decisive blow to him and to the nation of Egypt? Could he have just done that? Could he have just said, one plague, boom, you're out of here? Could God have done that? Could you shake? I can't hear you, some of the ones that got a mask. You have shake. At least we can't hear you snoring like we could sometimes, you know, in services. But now we shake, yes. God could have done that. God could have done that. But he didn't. He chose to use different plagues over a strategic, progressive time. God chose to work in such a way. And it took a while. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the plagues themselves took a while. The Jewish tradition says it took, them, it took one year for all ten plagues to be brought over Egypt. Some people have suggested 40 days, maybe a few months. But think of that. Like, God sent you in and told you to do this. And 40 days, months later, maybe even a year later, he's still working on the plan. And maybe you're like, God, come on out. You told me you were going to. We got to wait this long. Because you know what? You and I, we want God's plan to happen yesterday. We want Him to fulfill everything in our lives, but we want Him to do it yesterday. We're not really up for like God just every day. God usually normatively works in progressive ways to bring about His will. He normatively works progressively to bring about His will. In other words, He sometimes starts with like a seed form and then you have a plant and then you have the fruit. Like, God works in that way. He is a progressive worker. He could at any moment intervene and do what he wants, but normatively, he will work in a progressive manner. Let me give you an example. As I think about my wanting things to happen yesterday, and yet things kind of just progress. A couple of three years ago, uh, the people that owned the land right next to my house, they decided they wanted to, clear cut all of the timber. And if you live in Ruston or you ride around Ruston, you probably remember this or you saw it. And I mean, when they cut it, it looked like an atomic bomb had gone off in the area. Okay. Now, listen, they could do anything they wanted because that was their land. I'm not complaining about it. I'm not fussing about it. I'm just saying that's what happened. Well, for me, I decided I needed a little tree or I needed something to be able to kind of take my mind off of that barrenness behind me, okay? So I went to people and I said, what do I need to plant in order to give me some type of barrier? And some people said, well, maybe some azaleas you could plant back there and this and that. And I said, what kind of trees? And they said, man, you just, this is, this is Ruston, this is North Louisiana, you don't know, you need to, plant some pines or something. I'm like, I don't have much land right there. And they said, well, that's the fastest growing kind of thing. So anyway, I walked around my property and I found a little sapling, okay? A little sapling on my property, okay? I'm not on somebody else's. My property. And what I decided was I could relocate this tree. And therefore the tree would grow and it would give me some type of like, so I took the sapling, And I went and I replant in the strategic area so that when it grew, it would. There's this one hole that shows me it it would fill that. Got it? So I went to do it. I went out like a week later. Nothing really happened. It was—I mean, it was alive, but it's still there. It hadn't grown. I thought they told me pine trees grow fast. So why is it? No worry. I was raised in an agrarian area. I understand farming, agriculture. So you know what I did? I went and got me some triple 13. I went and got me a little miracle grow. Started kind of throwing it on this little pine tree. Think, you know, I'm going to make this thing. We're going to get this tree up, you know. I go back. I look. A week later, nothing. I said to myself, what am I doing? I, 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 I am one of the best motivational speakers on the English turn drive. I know that I probably could convince this thing. So, seriously, one day I decided, what's it worth? So, I got on one of the stumps that was left and I began to talk to that little sapling. And I began to try to get that sapling to believe in himself. Like, if he would just believe in himself, he could grow. I said, Can't you feel it inside? You're trying to grow. Grow! I need you to grow! Well, Needless to say, that didn't seem to work either. It seemed like it wasn't growing. Now, since I put that sapling down, uh, several months have passed, maybe even a year and a half. Maybe a year and a half. You know what? It has grown a little. Like it has, just a little bit. Or I'm getting shorter, which could be the case as well. Pray to God not, but maybe. But it had grown. But I couldn't tell it had grown from day to day. You know, if I'd gone out and tried to measure its growth from day to day, I couldn't have told much, anything. But over time, progressively, the tree has grown. And I believe over the next few years, if I don't kill it by over-fertilizing it, I think it will probably still grow. And it will reach a certain height. Because it is progressive growth. Do you understand that that is the normative way in which God works in your life as well? There are going to be days when you're like, God, I can't even see measurable growth in your plan for me. God, I'm looking today and I don't see like how from yesterday you did a whole lot to fulfill your plan. But I want you to hear that God is progressively and strategically working in your life to fulfill your plan, to fulfill his plan for you. You need to hear that. And that's what Moses needed here. Moses, one more plague. Just one more, okay. All right, I'm working. I've got a plan. And I want you to hear that this plan is individualized to you. Moses, well, God had a plan for him. And some of you say, yes, well, that was Moses. I mean, Moses, I mean, come on. He's an Old Testament hero. Listen, Moses, he had weaknesses just like we do. Moses was flesh and blood. I hope maybe in the next few weeks. I'm not sure about my timing. But I, I want to show you that one of the things that Moses struggled with is anger. If you look at it, I think he had an anger issue. And he struggled with things. And yet God still had a plan. That God still got a plan for you. You need to remember that. An individualized plan. And this is what's so awesome about it. Because the God of heaven who is in charge of the whole universe. Who reigns every day and has everything just in its place. Is still loving enough to be concerned about you individually and have a plan for you. And it is a plan that will succeed. It is a plan that will never fail. Listen To Proverbs 19 21 it says there are many plans in a man's heart nevertheless the Lord's counsel that will stand many plans in your heart I see a lot of you who are younger and it takes me a little while now to think back to your age but I still can get there and I remember like the excitement and the energy and the plans when I was Going into college, when I came out of college, all the, I mean, some of you who are, you remember those, like, you remember, like, you had plans, like, these were the things. And there are many plans in a man's heart. All of us got plans. All of us got schedules. But listen, the writer of Proverbs says, it is the Lord's counsel. It is the Lord's plan for you. Not just your own simple desires. It's what l- the Lord wills in your life that he will accomplish no matter who you are. He wants to take your vocation. He wants to take your place where you are right now in school or the workplace, whatever else, and he wants to use it. So just remember that. Remember there is a plan. Second, ready yourself for the plan. Ready yourself for the plan. Look in verse two. Speak now in the hearing of all the people and let every man ask from his neighbor and every woman from her neighbor, Articles of silver and articles of gold. So, if you believe that God has a plan for you, and I hope you do, then that means you ought to live with expectancy. You ought to live with the idea, okay, God's got a plan. That means he's going to work in my life, and I need to ready myself for that plan. I need to do what he wants me to do in the areas of my life so that I can fulfill his plan. I want to live with expectancy. You and I, of all people, if we've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, if we've given ourselves to Him, then listen, you and I have a future. We're living with expectancy. One of the things that gets me through every day is to be reminded that all of this stuff that we see right now, yes, God can use it and God can use us in it, but also, I'm not living for the here and now. I'm living for eternity. I'm trying to live every day knowing that there is something better than this place. And I am living with that sense of expectancy in my life. And you and I need to live like that. We need to live knowing God's got something better. So let's live in His plan and expect something that is better. We ready ourselves for it. So that means we have to listen. We have to look to the areas of need, to the areas of our lives that He wants to prepare. Here... Listen what they're going to do. God says, you go out and you ask all your neighbors. Neighbors here just happen to be the Egyptians. You go out and talk to them and tell them you need some gold and some silver. Wouldn't you love to have some neighbors like that? Hey, you mind if I could borrow a little silver or gold? You know those neighbors? You know neighbors, kind of neighbors that look like this. Neighbors, yeah, I show up sometimes, and I've never asked for gold or silver, but I've said, you got a drill I could borrow? You you got a shovel? You got an ax? I know I need to go to the hardware store, but I'll be over asking people that. I mean, all the time, people, you know, people, I need to borrow something. I need to, look, books, I love to borrow books, but I'm going to just put it out there right now. And usually I tell you if you ever loan it to me, don't expect it back because preachers are terrible. When it comes to books. I'm just putting it out there that pastors and preachers are the biggest book thieves you'll ever find. I I get a book every now and then from Casey, our college master. And if you open Casey that book of Casey's, you will find on the first page or so it has a stamp on it. And you know what the stamp says? This book was stolen from the library of Casey Cassidy. It just drives me nuts. I just go ahead and tear that page out, and I just put it on my desk to keep it. That way I don't have to face conviction in my life when I open it up. I mean, you know, look, they're not just borrowing things. That might be the word that some of your translations use. It actually means that they go and request these things because they're not going to give them back. They're about to leave Egypt and go into the wilderness. They're going away. They're going to prepare themselves for the wilderness because God is going to deliver them. Now, God told them how to prepare themselves. And that's what I come back to here is that we have to listen to God and say, God, tell us where we need to prepare our lives for your plan. God's all about preparation. Exodus chapter 19, God's getting ready to come and visit the people of God. And what does he say to them? Consecrate yourself. Get yourself ready. Prepare yourself. I'm about to come. God's about preparation. He wants us to make preparation. Today, I would say to you that there's some areas of our lives we need to to deal with. We need to give over to God. We need to allow Him to work in our lives so that He can fulfill His plan. We need to say, God, we're readying ourselves. We're putting ourselves there. You help us. You help us see what we need and help us make the necessary adjustments. And then what you'll find is that you can learn You can learn in his provision. If you are readying yourself, you're going to learn that he will provide each and every time. This to me is incredible. Get this. The Egyptians are giving their treasures to the Hebrews. Those who were the oppressors are now actually funding the liberation of the oppressed. That is incredible. This can only be a God thing. That God is working in the pagan Egyptians to provide the people of God exactly what they need. It shouldn't have surprised them. Genesis fourteen fifteen tells us that when God spoke to the patriarch, he told him that one of these days, after a time of bondage, the nation will come forth and those that had been oppressing them would give special treasure, special possessions. I mean, Genesis 15, 14, all the way back there, God had said, I'm going to provide for you. And he does. (laughs) How awesome is it when God just does these things and he provides? So a few weeks ago, uh, I told you about my college experience and how God shifted my heart and literally sent me to another institution and how God provided through that, but that wasn't the only time God had provided. God's provided several other times in my life, and every day of my life I recognize His grace and His sufficiency. But I remember when I decided to go to grad school, and maybe this is on my mind because it was 20 years ago this month that we moved in order for me to go to grad school to go to seminary in New Orleans. But we were working through this. I was pastoring a church named Canaan Baptist Church. Why would you would ever leave the promised land? I do not necessarily know, but I left Canaan. I had told them when I accepted it, I accepted the pastorate when I was in college, and I said to them then, "Hey, when I get through—I mean, when I get through a Blue Mountain—I'm going to grad school. I'm going to seminary." Now I think they were convinced that they could talk me out of it, or at least get me to go to another seminary. But listen who would go to another seminary, Stephen, than New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary? I mean, that's the only one I would go to. I, would, I mean, you see some of the other guys. Well, never mind. We'll talk about that later. But, I mean, I said I was going to New Orleans. So, Leslie and I had decided, okay, we're going to move. But, you know, if you move and you find a place to live, they expect you to pay rent. So, that means we got to find some jobs. What are we going to do? Well, I was pastoring and I knew I was getting up to that point where I was going to resign there in June. Now, I was not resigning on Homecoming Sunday. Some of you don't know what Homecoming Sunday is in churches. There's a big day. There had been a preacher who had resigned on Homecoming Sunday. And he remains a legend in the folklore of Canaan Baptist Church. He is still talked about to this day in a negative way. Infamy today. So I said, I'm going to resign. I went, so I went to my director of missions. He's a guy that kind of helps the churches sometimes. So I went to Bill, and I said, Bill, I'm about to resign from Canaan, and I'm going to leave. I'm going, I'm going down south. And he said, look, whatever you do, don't resign on homecoming Sunday. I know I've been through this, Bill. I already, I, yeah, I got that figured out. He said, you know what that last Yeah, I've already heard the story all that. Anyway, I said, we're going to move, Bill. He said, where are you going? Now, I'm going to tell you that when we decided to move to Picayune, Mississippi, it probably was not the most spiritual moment of my life. I'm just admitting it. Do you know how we decided to move to Picayune, Mississippi? We looked at a map, and we'd never been really down in that area, but we looked at a map and I said, how close can I get to the city of New Orleans and stay in the state of Mississippi? And you know, when you look at a map, Picayune, is as close as you can get now one of the reasons I was I was doing that I want to explain this is that my wife Leslie was a teacher and she had gotten grants from the state and she needed to stay in the state in order to teach and get those grants forgiven so I'd said I'll be the one to drive I don't want her driving so maybe we can stay in the state of Mississippi and I'll go to New Orleans well Bill said he said hey um I know the pastor at First Baptist Picayune. His name's Dr. Bill Harden. Dr. Harden, he used to pastor up here, and I think I could call him and tell him you're coming down. I said, well, look, we're working on it. Leslie has a resume in with the Picayune school system. We hope something will come up. We're just going to see. But but I'm resigning. We're going to resign. And uh, she gets through being paid, I think, in June or something. We're going to go in July, no matter what. He said, well, call Bill. So call Bill and I said, hey, Dr. Harden. Some of you remember Bill Harden because he's preached at Temple Baptist Church before. But I called Dr. Harden and I said, hey, this is Reggie Bridges. Look, we're looking to move to New Orleans or actually Picayune. I want to go to New Orleans Seminary. My wife, she's trying to get a job. She actually has a, an appointment uh, set up with someone to talk about a job. We're going to come down this day. He said, that would be awesome. It was like mid-June. He said, come on down. And let me kind of show you around. i never forget that pastor taking the day and driving us around, showing us different apartments, duplexes. Never forget that. You remember people that have helped you in the past? Like, did you never forget that they just took the time? Well, he did. He drove us around. My wife, she had the interview that day. And guess what? She got a job. Thank God for wives that support their husbands, especially when a husband has nothing and he's going to school and she got a job. We moved the week of the 4th of July to Picayune. We went down, and moved in our little complex that Dr. Harden had helped us get. Well, a little bit later on, Dr. Harden said, "Rachel, would you like to preach for me one Sunday night? I said, what? I said, now, understand... This boy right here came from a small church. And I still have affections for small churches. Because small churches are great areas of discipleship and work of God. I've been there. I believe that. But First Baptist Picayune, I mean, it was the biggest church I'd ever... It had a balcony. And they wanted me to preach. Even a Sunday night still. I first started to say, no way, no way. But finally... I said, all right, Dr. Harden, I'll do it. So I went in there, and I preached that Sunday night. Monday morning, I got a phone call. This is William F. Seal. Yes, Mr. Seal? Yeah, well, I'm on a committee, and I'm out in Arizona right now. But one of our committee members came to church last night at First Baptist Picayune, and uh, they heard you preach. We'd kind of like to talk to you. I said, whoa, hold on just a minute. What kind of committee are you talking about? I'm part of a pastor search committee, Pine Grove Baptist Church in Picayune. We want to talk to you. They heard you last night. We'd just like to see you. We just want to talk to you. I had been set up by Dr. Hardin. Didn't know that. Much more, God had been working in the background. And in October, October the 29th, I started my first Sunday at Pine Grove. At the age of 23, I became their pastor. and began to preach and to share. Great church. People I love to this day. I say to you, I give you that because I want you to hear this. He provides. Don't you miss it? That's what he, is that not what he's, he's, you go to the Egyptians, I'm going to give you silver and gold. You're going to be taken care of. Now, now I do need to put this out there. God sometimes gives you your needs before you even realize you have needs. Why do I say that? Think about this a moment. God said, take gold and silver from the Egyptians. There in verse 2. Let me ask you this question. What will gold and silver do for you in the wilderness? Have you ever thought about that? He told them to go get gold and silver. What are they going to do with that in the wilderness? I mean, when they pull up to the 7-Eleven in Sinai and they walk in with silver and gold from Egypt, let me tell you what, they're not going to find anybody that will accept their currency. It's not going to happen. When when they go to Costco over in Moab because they need to get some food, it's not going to happen. They're going to be turned away. They can't even go in a Piggly Wiggly. Well, you know why, because of their Jewish roots and all. They can't go in there. But you can imagine. I mean, think about it. Silver and gold. Why? Why did God give them silver and gold? Because if you look at their journey, they will need some of this for the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, the worship of God. They're going to need all those things. So what I say to you is God will sometimes give you things before you even realize you needed them. Because God is the one who is providing. You ready yourself. You say, God, I'm here. God, I'm ready. I believe you have a plan and I want you to work in me and you do whatever it takes in any area of my life. To make me obedient to you. And when you submit to Him that way, I promise you that God will take care of every need that you ever thought you had, and then some that you didn't even know you had. Because that's what I see in the scripture. And then, thirdly and finally, reflect Him in the plan. Remember, there is a plan. Remember that. Don't allow the chaos of this moment to somehow push his plan off of your agenda and off your mind. Remember, there is a plan. Ready yourself for the plan. Get ready. God, here I am. Whatever it is, you tell me. If I need to go see what provision you have, you tell me. And then reflect him through that plan. Verse 3, And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses... The man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Did you get that? Moses, who had been eschewed by his own people, the Hebrews 40 years before, who had been chased out of Egypt by the Egyptians, now this Moses has found favor with the pagan people of Egypt. It seems, it appears at least, that the only one that didn't know that he was God's emissary was Pharaoh. The only one that had not recognized that the God of the Hebrews was the Lord God was Pharaoh. Everybody else, they said, this man is the real deal. He was reflecting God in his work. And when you are fulfilling the plan that God has for you, you need to reflect him. I say to you, live for Christ. Because God can use you in your testimony right now where you are to influence those around you. Let me say this, live differently. Do you know Moses was different than his Egyptian upbringing, than the Egyptian, he was different, his actions were different, his life was different. You and I need to know that we can be different and people can see it in our lives. I looked across those 2020 grads and some of you, you've already been there through graduation, you know in college and afterwards you have a little more freedom from supervision and those kinds of things, let me just say to you, don't give in to all the temptation. Don't give in to that. You want to find favor with the Egyptians? You want to find favor with unbelievers around you? Don't don't try to find favor through compromise. Find favor through conviction. Live. The set of ideals that God has put before you. And through your convictions, I believe this. I've seen it in my life. I'm not telling you I was squeaky clean by no means when I was in high school and beyond. But I did see there were certain things that I would not partake in. And ultimately, the people began, they would respect me. I couldn't believe it. There's a respect. Because this is what what the writer of Proverbs says. It says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Because God can take even your life as you live it for him through his tes- your testimony, his testimony, and people can come to be at peace, respect. So live differently and live powerfully. I know what I'm reading. I know where I am. One of the reasons they saw the favor of God in Moses is because of the plagues, because of the power. They, they knew there was power. That he lived differently, but he lived powerfully. You and I should live every day in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize that the God of the plagues, the God who has that type of power, is the same God today? He's the same God who can work in you? He's the same. Sometimes you read this stuff and it's like, oh, it's uh, back there and, you know, God. No, God is still just as powerful. He hasn't given away any of his strength. He's not given away any of his majesty. He's still, just, he's still just as powerful. And if you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've committed yourself to him, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit has come to live within you. And the Holy Spirit is more powerful than any staff or rod that Moses might have. The Holy Spirit is more powerful than any word that was spoken by Moses. The Holy Spirit is more powerful than any magical incantations. The power of the Holy Spirit gives us strength every day. And you and I ought to live, not cowardly, but we ought to live powerfully each and every day because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And then our testimonies will be recognized. No, I should back up. Then Christ will be recognized. And hopefully and prayerfully, He will be exalted. I say to you, especially those of you who are in college right now, you have a venue to reach people that most of us never could. Live and reflect Jesus Christ through whatever plan He's called you to. So there's a word for you. A word for me. Remember, there's a plan. Remember. Ready yourself. Put every area of your life out there and say, God, here it is. Ready yourself. And then reflect Him through whatever He's called you to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for these moments. Thank you for these who are here. And God, I... I felt you speaking, I have sensed your power and your presence across this campus today and even through our online venues. And God, I pray that you would help us, that we would remember, that we would ready, that we would reflect. We pray it in Jesus' name.